Today's episode of the Get Paid for Your Pad podcast is brought to you by Hostfully, the market leader in digital guidebooks for short-term rental hosts. With Hostfully, you can create a beautiful online guidebook that you can send to your guests so they have a better experience and you get fewer questions. Sign up now at hostfully.com to get two months for free by using code PAD. That's P-A-D. Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Welcome to episode number 413. And today is a very special episode because uh, this is the first time when I interview somebody who uh, is hosting on in Japan. So that's going to be super, super interesting. So welcome to the show, Tracy Northcott, the founder of Tokyo Family Stays and also the founder of Tracy Northcott Consulting. Tracy, what's going on? Hey, Jasper. It's a very early morning here in Tokyo and the borders are still shut. So um, it's been an interesting ride these last couple of years, but I've been hosting here in Tokyo for 10 years as a short-term rental host. I started up when there was no blogs there was no there was no podcast there was nothing i just learned by the school of hard knocks on on what was working and what wasn't so but i'm still here after 10 years um it's been it's been a fun ride awesome awesome yeah we uh, we're going to learn all about that the topic for today is how to set up your listing for international multilingual visitors uh, we're going to touch on also how do you how do you provide recommendations to to guests when they don't speak the local language? Because obviously in Japan, I, I imagine most people who are not Japanese don't speak Japanese, right? No, look, and to be honest, some days I don't even speak Japanese, so it's a really really tough language to learn, especially if you do come from a non Asian background. So I have enough Japanese to get me into trouble. And not and uh, not enough to get me out of trouble. So, um, so that's 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 how I live my life. And so I really can um, understand the struggles um, of most of my guests. So you know, Airbnb and short term rentals really have not been a big domestic demand. And so ninety nine point nine percent of my guests, my customers, are all inbound tourists, or Japanese people that have lived overseas and have really experienced, you know, short-term rentals uh, overseas. And so they're, you know, looking locally here. But in terms of just pure domestic demand, it's not, it's not massive. So I learned very early on that I was really needing to bulletproof my listings for the people that were coming in having the experience of being semi-literate in, in a country where I don't read everything. I was really able to, to understand the, the struggle is real. So I was able to help. And so I learned, learned what was really important and what, what wasn't. How did you end up in Japan? Plane. No, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I've been here 21 years. My brother and I run a small software company. And so I'm an engineer by training. So I came to work with him in his software company and we do education software. So mostly apps for iPhone now. But when I first came 20 years ago, iPhone wasn't invented. And we were working on 
PDAs, so uh, personal uh, devices, so small mobile devices, and also online, mobile online websites were just starting to take off 21 years ago. I'm showing my age, but Japan really was the place to be for that. So that's why I came and it just, you know, we grew a fairly big business on on very small devices. Mm, that was 21 years ago. That's, that's quite the story. 21 mm. years in Japan. Yep. <laughs> that's a long time. So before we dive into, you know, how to set up the listing for, for international vi- visitors, um, what's the deal with those Japanese toilets? Well, the deal with the Japanese toilets. Well, Japanese toilets come in a couple of different ways. There's the old-fashioned toilet, which is like, and I think you had those in Europe as well, the squatties, right? You can still find those in a lot of places. So that's sort of the Japanese squatty toilets. But the newer ones, the ones that will wash will wash your butt, will dry your butt, will um, we'll sing you a song, um, will give you a little massage, will, you know, warm your, will have a seat warmer on it. Really, you don't need to leave. Like once you arrive, sit on a toilet, you're done. <laughs> no, kidding. Yeah, Japanese toilets are amazing. And uh, for the longest time, I was, uh, I didn't, I was too scared to use them. So I understand that the fear is real and pressing the wrong buttons and getting water sprayed in places that is very surprising is something it took me a long time to figure it out. So when I figured it out, what I wanted to do then is explain to, to visitors what it was all about. So, mm. yeah, I remember I was in Tokyo just over a decade ago in 2011. And I remember looking at the, the toilet and thinking, you know, you need a, you need a university degree to understand how this thing works. I mean, there's buttons everywhere and, you know, there's little lights and noises. <laughs> it's very intimidating. Well, label maker is your friend. That's what I've learned. A label maker and infographics are, are your friend. But actually what you'd see now, especially in shopping centers and, uh, you know, in restaurants, I think they've figured out that all of the international visitors really do have trouble figuring out a toilet. So there is lots more explanation than there used to be. So when I first arrived in Japan, there was barely any English. Then when I started up the short-term rental industry, like business 10 years ago, there wasn't also a lot of English. But I have noticed that over the last 10 years, just the number of the, the amount of English out in the streets, at the train stations, in shopping centers has really improved. Restaurants, not so much, but um, but uh, certainly in the major shopping areas, they're really catering to that inbound tourist market. So let's talk about some some do and don'ts when you're when you're serving. I imagine you're serving a lot of tourists from a lot lots of different places, probably like US, Europe, Australia. How do you how do you adjust your your experience when you're serving people who number one are you know, overseas and number two, also don't speak the local language. Fortunately, there's a lot of tools around and believe it or not, we were getting a lot more Chinese guests and a lot of uh, a lot of uh, Korean guests. And then there was a visa uh, relaxing for Southeast Asian countries. So we were getting a lot of guests that were coming in from Malaysia and from from Thailand um, and from the Philippines. It was just you know, the Japanese government were really trying to encourage the inbound tourists and we were getting people from everywhere. So at first I was just putting signs up in English 
that because you know the bleeding edge like the the leading edge of of the guests were were from uh from the us and from australia and then through 2015 there was a lot more guests coming in from from china and from korea and i figured out very quickly that it's funny enough that the toilets are the things that really are not universal and and that's what you've got to remember as a host is that what's common for you and what's what sort of like what you think is basic information is not standard across the world so um, I guess where you are in Panama as well, I mean, you know, even things like the, the way that the sewerage of the city works, there are things that you can do in some countries that you can't do in others. So, for example, people that are coming in from Korea, they're very technically advanced, um, you know, technology is great, but their sewerage system is awful. And so the population is trained not to put anything down a toilet, so not to put even toilet paper down so they have always have it if you go to korea or if you go to thailand or vietnam there is always a basket beside the toilet where people put their paper which of course is you know for us from western countries just go oh my god that's gross but it's just what people are used to so you've just got to keep that in mind um, and meet people where they're at and give them the tools for success that's where infographics really help. So in all of my toilets, I have a sign that is in the, the most common languages of the people who are coming to stay with me. So I have it in English, Chinese, Korean, and Japanese um, up on the wall within pictures, nice pictures of what to do and what not to do in the places where I've found that really do need the help. And that is a toilet because people are a bit embarrassed and you want to give them you want to give them the tools for success so that they're comfortable and also things like kitchen appliances using the you can see this here you know this is this is my standard um air conditioning thing this is all in japanese so most of my guests would not know how to use that so in my little welcome book i actually have a picture of the remote with an explanation of what, what all the buttons are that's helping me as much as helping the guest because guests want to do the right thing but if you don't give them the right information they're just going to press buttons and that then of course you get breakages and you get you know maintenance issues because you know people just don't know what they're doing so i always think it's just good manners to give people give people the right information they then feel like you've understood them they then feel like you've anticipated their questions and they really do appreciate it yeah, I've spent quite a lot of time traveling for Asia and uh, I've had quite a few of those moments where, you know, like you're, you're with a friend and, and you're like, do you understand the signs on this air conditioning? And then it's like kind of guessing, usually the on and off button, they're green and red. So that's usually fairly easy to figure out. But then mm -hmm. it's like, how do I change this, the, the fan intensity? How do I make the thing go more down or up or... You know, things like that is is always like really interesting to figure out how to, how that works. Yeah, as a host, it does take a little bit of time and setup, but that bit of time that you that you spend in preventative maintenance or preventative support just pays itself in dividends time and time and time again because you don't get those call outs in the middle of the night oh my goodness how do i use the air conditioner or i'm cold how do i turn on the heater you don't get those calls when you've when you've given the right explanations and you've got and you also tell people if you've got questions 
go to this book first. Or if you've got the online guest books, go to this page first. So you almost have to train each guest. So do the work first. And then every guest that comes in, you need to obviously give them the tools for success. You mentioned, um, you know, you you have the signs in, in all these different languages. And by the way, I'd love to I'd love to see some photos of the signs. Do you put those up in your listing? Uh, yeah, sure. Actually, I don't have, oh, I could. <laughs> they're, they're, they're around here. So, yeah, so I have signs in the toilet. I have my house rules that I have stuck on the fridge, the trash recycling information. And I, I spent a little bit of money and had those translated, but also had a graphic designer to create something that was in on my brand that was pleasing and also professional and then had those laminated. It's really not a big cost, but again, it will just save you so much time and stress. And also the guests will, the guests will love you for it because we get so many people going, oh, thank goodness you understand what it's like because, you know, they've gone into someone else's, someone else's listing and they've just been left to their own devices. And then they get in trouble later on. Oh, you didn't do, you didn't sort the trash right. I was like, I didn't know how. So really just giving, you know, just showing the courtesy and not, not assuming that guests will know what to do. Do you have your Airbnb listings in, in multiple languages too? I have them in Japanese and I have them in English. We initially had them in Chinese as well, but then what we were noticing is that we were getting a lot of Chinese guests and we weren't able to help them as much as we felt we wanted to, what was in our brand. In the old days, I, I did actually have a Chinese speaker on staff. And so that was that was really helpful. But you know, it is really hard if you're if you're meeting a guest and you're trying to communicate through like Google Translate. That's that to me is not really offering good service. So what I try to do is is hone my marketing to guests that I know that I can serve best. So when we when we didn't have that Chinese speaker on site, I actually took off my Chinese my Chinese listing information. But um, yeah, I have it at the moment. I have it in Japanese and English because I can help people who write to me in Japanese and English. But in the houses, um, I have the the signs up in Chinese, Korean, English, and uh, and Japanese. So then, if you want to update your listings, um, do you have to go back to the translator to have it translated in in Japanese again? What I try to do is I keep all of my copy. I keep that not, I don't update live in my listing. So whenever I'm making an update, I actually keep those on separate documents. And that way, uh, like what you do if you were doing a software product, uh, you would keep the text strings in a separate document. And then, you know, every time you updated those, you could then see which translations needed to be updated. And then that way you could send it out to the translator. Translation, human translation is not very expensive. It's not a massive cost, but it does make such a big difference. I would dissuade anybody, if you wanted to have your listing in another language, do not use Google Translate. Just don't. Just mm. just don't. Because you're making yourself look unprofessional. And it's also just bad mannered. I'm someone who's a native speaker of that, of that language, reads it and go, oh, they haven't really thought of me. They've just, you know, chucked it into a free language translator that doesn't feel very warm and welcoming you're better off sticking with the language that you're native in and then outsourcing to uh, a human translator like I said it's not expensive 
to get a real human to do it. Uh, and also, I think it's just a really good signal to send to the market that I'm supporting other small, I'm a small business and I'm supporting other small businesses and, and farming out the work to real humans. Yeah, and I imagine that's a that's a good way to stand out because I, mean, I, I bet most hosts will probably just use Google Translate. Um, and so if you if you have like a, you know, a really good translation and then, you know, you would stand out a lot. Like, I mean, I mean, if I would see an Airbnb listing somewhere in the world that has perfect Dutch, I would be like, wow, that's pretty incredible <laughs> and rare. And no, and it, like I said, it, it does show that you, you know, that you're being thoughtful. And I just think it's also really important to to remember that even though a guest may not speak your language, it doesn't mean that they're not going to be great guests. So it doesn't mean that they're not going to be your ideal guest. It just means that you've got to, you know, help them out. Uh, so, you know, my business is called Tokyo Family Stays. If you're a family, I don't care what language you speak, I can help you because you're my, you're my ideal guest. But I, then I've just got to, you know, remember that even though you're a family, you may not speak the languages that are available. So it's my job as a, as a good host to give you the tools. What I try to encourage people to do is don't exclude people based on language because there still might be great guests. They might be your ideal guest. You just have to, as a, as a hospitality professional, just go that little bit extra to, to make sure that they're comfortable. And when you find those ideal guests, you're not competing on price. You're really, you know, you're you're getting the guests who love your hospitality, who need your service, and you're not then discounting to get the booking. You're getting the bookings that really suit your particular product. So that's what I that's what I really try to encourage people to do. Due to COVID, it's now more important than ever that your guests actually read your house rules and check-in instructions. And there's no better way to deliver that information than by using an online Hostfully guidebook. You can build your guidebook in just a few hours and simply include a link to your guidebook in your welcome email. Your guests can access it on desktop, on mobile, and they can even print it out. Now, as a result, you look super professional, your guests have a better experience as they don't have to read through endless paragraphs of text. Instead, they can go through a nice looking guidebook with lots of visuals. That means fewer questions for you, more time for you to focus on other areas of your hosting business. Sign up now at hostfully.com and use code PAD to get your first two months for free. That's hostfully.com, H-O-S-T-F-U-L-L-Y dot com code pad which is p-a-d what are some other things that you have to keep in mind when you're when you're hosting people who don't speak the local language i think you've just also got to remember the humanity i know i get a bit cheesy and a bit woo-woo sometimes but at the end of the day looking after people where they sleep is is a really important job as hosts and even though we're running a business and we've got, you know, we've got lots of moving parts about bills and cleaning and staff, and we've got lots of lots of that, you still have to remember at the end of the day, we're looking after humans. And it is really important that you remember that as humans, we're more alike than we are different. So we need comfort and security. We need comfortable beds. We need working toilets. Um, we need shelter and food and all those things. So if you've got to just 
sometimes you've got to take a little step back as a host and go, all right, am I taking care of the human needs or how can I serve my guests better? Because those things really do come through and that's where you get that loyalty and you get people coming back again and again because they they feel like you've shown them that they're welcome. So I hope that answered your question. I was going off well, on a bit I mean, of a tangent because I, I get I get very, very passionate about, you know, I love hospitality. I love looking after people. Um, so, yeah, I do, <laughs> I do go off on a little tangent sometimes. Yeah, no, no, I love what you're saying because, you know, that's how I look at it as well. You know, in the end of the day, we we think of people as in like where they're from and their culture and all that stuff. But in the, in the end of the day, we're all very similar. We have the same needs, right? So I love how, you, how you're saying that where you just look at a person as a, as a human being and that's it. And then you understand like, oh, we're, we're, you know, we're very similar because we're both human beings. So I really like that. I'm, I'm just trying to think of, you know, when you're hosting somebody who doesn't speak the local language, you, you touched on it a little bit you know, with the signs, for example, and the infographics. Um, I think that's, uh, that's really cool. Um, I imagine you also might have to explain just basic things like how do you, how do you take the subway or how do you order food or stuff like that? Like, is, do you spend a lot of time like on those recommendations, local recommendations? Yeah, absolutely. So on, on my site, I've actually curated a whole bunch of links that I know that are going to give good information. That serves two purposes. First of all, the guests are really grateful for that information. But second of all, when you give people the tools to help themselves, they're not going to be asking the same questions over and over and over again. But what I also have is that, you know, I take note of the sort of questions that I'm getting and I keep, again, I keep those on a separate document about what are my frequently asked questions. So I keep those in a separate document and when I notice that there's the same questions coming over and over and I think, oh, okay, well, maybe I need to add that to my frequently asked questions. And I have those frequently asked questions in my listing. But then also before guests arrive, I've spent some time looking at my my welcome message, my welcome pack. I give people maps. I put myself in the shoes of my guest and thinking, well, how can I troubleshoot before there's trouble? So, and I give people exactly the right information. You get off the plane, you go here, you contact us here. And I give people the step-by-step and I send that out just before they arrive. I'm giving it to them too early they'll probably forget it. They won't remember it. They won't read it. But when you, if you give people the right information at the times that they need it, then that's really the, the, the uh, setting yourself up for success and also setting the guest up. So, I mean, when you've been doing this for a while, you recognize that there's a particular arc of the relationship. So, you know, there's the booking, there's the inquiry, there's the booking, there's the pre-arrival any sort of regulations, getting people's IDs, getting contracts. Those are the sorts of things that I automate because it's, like I said, it's in a standard arc. And then that frees up my time and headspace and also my generosity to be able to answer specific questions in in really good detail. I found very early on that I was burning out by answering the same questions over and over again. So I thought, oh, hang on, I can be a bit smarter about this. I can save all of my frequently asked questions, keep them in a document, 
And then over time, I would be tweaking and testing and, and going through my business system and my tech stack so that I would be really giving people the useful information as I as I know that they're going to need it, even before they knew that when they were going to need it. So the sort of comments that we get from guests are, oh, you knew exactly what I needed before I knew I needed it. So that goes a long way in getting those great five-star reviews because people feel like you've anticipated their needs. Mm. Yeah, I love that. You've been hosting for how long is it? A decade or so? A decade, yes. <laughs> Yes. I'm I'm curious, like what, what's the funniest story, your funniest host story? Ten years of hosting in Japan. You gotta have some funny stories. Oh, I've got so, I've got lots of funny stories. I mean, we there's of course people get lost a lot. You know, you know what we know. People don't, even though we've provided all this really great information, sometimes they don't read. This is like, oh my god. But I've had some great experience with guests that I often go out with guests um if they're here for new year's i'll take them to the temple you know it's like okay well we're going to the temple i'll let people know that there's a festival going on and why don't you just hang out at the festival so i've I've met some really great guests that way we've had guests that of course they lose the key they get lost they start climbing up drain pipes to get in so yeah we've had some we've had some fun stories and most of it most of them are really you know, they, they can come back to language, uh, you know, but also people when they're in a in a different country can, they can either go two ways. They can either, you know, try to do everything the right way and be be very conscientious or they'll go, nah, I'm a foreigner, I'll get away with whatever I like. So it's it's quite funny to see the, the different sorts of personality traits and, and how people approach coming into a, a foreign country. Awesome. So let people know uh, where they can find you if people want to travel to Tokyo or. Yeah. So, yeah, like we're not hard to find. If you Google Tokyo Family Stays, you'll find our direct booking website. Um, Obviously, we're on all the OTAs as well, you know, booking.com, BRBO and Airbnb. So if uh, we mostly do single family homes. So I started off doing small apartments, but that's before regulations came in. And so doing apartments became difficult and not really what my guests were wanting. So I've really moved to single family homes now. So I really look after big extended family groups, very hard to find places in Tokyo for that. And um, also my, uh, what I've been doing since the the pandemic is um, I've been writing, I've been writing a blog. I've been trying to help other people around the world with their hospitality standards. So you can find me at Tracy Northcott Consulting. I have Instagram. I have all the, you know, I'm not a woman of mystery, Jasper. I'm, I'm easy, easy to find. And uh, I like to help other hosts with their hospitality standards and making sure that they can maximize their profit from each individual listing. Awesome. Yeah. We'll put up, we'll put uh, all those links in the, in the show notes, of course, at getpaidforypad.com. I'm going to take a look at your Airbnb listings uh, because I want to see those signs. Um, I think that's (laughs) That's uh, that's inspirational. Um, well, I, I I can look. I can email you a couple of uh, PDFs that I've made that you can take a look at, and and um, you know if people want to use them and grab them, that's great. That's no problem at all. Awesome, sweet. Well, uh, thanks so much for for joining. First host from Japan on uh, Get Paid for Your Pad. So it was a pleasure having you on. Any final thoughts before we wrap it up? 
oh, I'm just looking at you in Panama and thinking, oh, I really want to travel. <laughs> you know, we've been locked in for, for two years. We can't go anywhere. Our borders are still closed. So I really want to go to Thailand or Panama or somewhere where I can go and get warm. Is there any light at the end of the tunnel? Any? We're mostly vaccinated here now. So, um, and I think because the Olympics have now finished, the airlines are talking about opening up flights again from mid-December. I'm, I'm, I'm quite confident that we're going to be open for business again in mid-December. Mm. Great. Yeah, I think early November, uh, the US is letting international travelers back in. I think Australia might open up in December as well. Yeah, Australia's a tricky. Australia, New Zealand are a tricky one. They're yeah having a few few battles there at the moment. But Japan is just desperate. There's been no business visas. It's not just the the tourist travel. It's the people relocating for business. Mm -hmm. um, it's just not happening. Kyoto, the place with all the big temples down south, even though they haven't, you know, they haven't had any visitors, the locals are really happy because, you know, they can actually move around the city. They've, they've announced that, that the city is in financial trouble because of this. And I, I believe that cities are going to put the pressure on the government to open up. Yeah. Most of the country's vaccinated, so I don't see a problem. Awesome. Well, let's hope uh, we can start traveling again soon. And uh, thanks again for, for joining the show. And to, to all listeners, thank you for listening. And we'll be back soon with more episodes. So stay tuned. Thanks, Jasper. Get paid for your pet. 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 If you have over 30 units, you have an annual revenue of over $2 million, or you operate boutique hotels, then the STR Legend Mastermind is for you. You are not alone. We have a group of over 30 high-level entrepreneurs in our mastermind, and we get together on a weekly basis to discuss our biggest challenges and to learn and to grow together. Go to strlegends.com to find out more information and apply for the Legends Mastermind if you think you are a good fit.